Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone, to our Easter Sunday celebration service. It's wonderful to have you with us, whether you're following along online or if you're here in the building as we come to worship the risen Lord Jesus. A very warm welcome to you, especially if you're new to us, if this is the first time here, or if you're a guest, very welcome to you. And really, the the pain and sadness of death is a real thing. As we cry in our hearts, it just wasn't supposed to be like this. Death brings such sadness and pain. And it feels like the lights have been turned down, the lights have been turned off, and the, the sun has stopped shining. And that is what happened as we reflect upon Good Friday, the day that darkness reigned. The day that the sun stopped shining. As judgment rolled down. It was a a day of hopelessness. A day of wrongfulness. A day of death. And that day was Good Friday. When darkness reigned. But this day is Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. On this day we celebrate We celebrate the hope that has been given to the hopelessness. We celebrate meaning that has been given to the meaningless. And we celebrate life that has been given to those who walk in darkness. All because Jesus is risen. Let us just take a, a quiet moment of reflection as we prepare our hearts to come and meet with the risen Lord this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence this morning through what your Son, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, has done, has accomplished for us on the cross, bringing us into your presence that we can sing your praises. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If only for this life we have hope, then Christ is of no use to us. We are, of all people, to be pitied. But Christ did indeed rise from the dead. Jesus is alive. And we have been made alive. We now have a living hope because Christ is risen. Now for all of us who believe we've been given a new and a living hope, now we have an eternal hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we can now say, Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to have our reading now. And uh, the first part of our reading is coming from Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. Luke 24, 1 to 12. You are very welcome to follow that in your Bibles, but we also have a dramatized version that we will have up on the screen. So read in your Bibles or uh, sit back, listen, and watch as the story unfolds. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Yeah, let me pass over to Nathan as he, as he leads us in prayer. Let's come before God in prayer. Father God, I want to begin by reminding us all of the words uh, from the video we watched, from the Bible reading we just had, as the angels turn to the women and say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Father, we are so thankful for those three words. Lord, with Good Friday, Lord, the, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the injustice, the death, Lord, but to hear the words that Jesus is not dead, he is alive, Lord, brings change. It changes everything. Lord, because Jesus is alive, our past sin is forgiven. We have the present life of Jesus in us. And we have the future hope of heaven. Lord, we're so grateful because of what Jesus came to do, dying in our place, And rising again to new life so we can have life in him. What can we say? (laughs) What can we do? But just say we're grateful. Grateful to you. And Lord, in light of what you have done for us on this Easter Sunday, Lord, we want to bring before you Holiday Club this week. We thank you for each individual child that will be part of what we're doing Lord, you know them, you love them, you care for them. Lord, and please we pray that you would show yourself to them. Use the teaching, use the games, use the crafts, use the activities, use the building. Use us as the team of leaders. Love and serve and help them. Lord, use all these things to draw young lives to yourself. Lord, we pray for the practical things. Lord, pray for the team as they prepare. We pray for the safety of the children. We pray for the technical needs. We pray for all the crafts and various activities that will go on. Again, we trust it all into your hands. 
And we pray that you'd use it and bless it, we pray. We pray as well for next Sunday, as we have an all-age service, where families and children who are part of Holy Club are welcome to come and join. We pray that many would, and they would hear as a family again the truths of Jesus. Father God, as well, we lift our eyes to wider needs in the church. And as we were reminded at the beginning of the service, we bring to you Lila and Stuart and the family as they mourn the loss of Pippa. But Lord, we thank you so much that they don't mourn without hope. Lord, they know where Pippa is because she had a saving faith in Jesus Christ. She is alive with her saviour. We pray that that would bring them great comfort in these days. And we pray as they prepare for the funeral in a week or so's time that you give them all they need in preparation for that day. So, Father God, we pray for the rest of our service now. We thank you that we can be together as a church family. We pray for everyone here or watching from home that you would use Saab as he comes a little bit later on and explains to us truths from the Bible. Please use him, his words, his preparation. Lord, to touch our hearts deeply, that we would leave here this morning changed, changed in a way that changes this week, that changes this month, that changes this year, that changes our whole lives until we stand before Jesus one day. Lord, may this be a transformative Easter Sunday morning for all of us. So, Father God, we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Um, uh, we're just going to hear our Bible reading now. Uh, if you do have a Bible, uh, please do grab it. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, uh, the blue ones are just uh, just around the corner there. Uh, and Marion will come and, and read to us from Luke 24. If you've got a blue Bible, it's on uh, page 1062, uh, Luke 24. So Marion, if you'd like to come and read. And then as she reads, then Sarah will come and preach to us. So Luke. 24, starting at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thank you so much for reading for us. 
So let's just uh, uh, pray for our time together. In Psalm 119, thank you, uh, we read this. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the certainty of the things that we have been taught. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, as we come to your word, uh, soften our hearts, quicken our minds, unstop our ears. Uh, speak to us, challenge us, shape us. In Jesus' name, amen. What a morning. What an absolutely brilliant morning. The day that we remember and celebrate that Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead. It wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that this is the most important day in history. The day that changed everything for mankind. And also, if you're a believer here this morning, has completely changed our lives. And there are four words in particular that change everything. And those four words are peace be with you. Peace be with you. It changes everything. And it's so easy, isn't it? These are so familiar, these words. Uh, it, we can easily just trot through them, skip through them and miss or overlook the treasure that is contained within them. And the reading today, that declaration of peace be with you, is a life-changing declaration, if only we're prepared to look at it and just reflect a little bit on it. And that's what I want to do uh, with us today. And we're going to look at uh, three things. Uh, The truth of peace declared, we see that in verse 36. Uh, then uh, Christianity is a faith that's based on facts. We see that in verses 37 through 47. And there is an offer of a life that is transformed by love. So, firstly, the truth of peace declared. Ever since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the question that the Bible has been forcing us to look at is this. How... Does a holy God live with unholy people? God has created us to live with him, but humanity, we have rebelled. We've turned away from him. And throughout the Old Testament, God has been showing us that there is a constant, relentless rebellion of man against God. And that rebellion, that war against God, has resulted in all manner of brokenness in our relationship with God but also in our relationships with one another and also our relationship with creation. Broken beyond our ability to repair it. Everything has been broken by our rebellion. And now, on the third day after Jesus' crucifixion, that brutal death that he bore, Luke tells us that Jesus has been raised again to life by God. And Jesus comes... Bearing this news in verse 36. Oh, we've missed a slide. In verse 36, take a look with me. 
He says, while the disciples were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Whilst in a locked room, the risen Lord stands before the frightened disciples and says, peace be with you. Now, this isn't a clever tweet. It's not a catchphrase for a TikTok video. It's not a Facebook status. This is a declaration of victory from God himself about where people who trust in Jesus now find themselves. If it were a newspaper, a newspaper headline, then it would be this. News to the whole world that something has happened. Something has happened that means that the war between humanity and God has been dealt with. But what about the, the, the rebellion, the brokenness uh, that we have caused by our rebellion against God? At the end of a war, there's oftentimes reparations that are paid. After the Second World War, Germany had to pay the Allies billions of dollars in reparations to pay for the terrible, terrible things that they had done wrong. But here, even though humanity has been waging war against God, it was God himself who came and paid the price to make the end of the war with God possible. And Jesus paid the price on the cross as he cried out, it is finished. Jesus paid the price for our rebellion by his death. And only if Jesus was truly without sin, if Jesus truly did love God with all his heart, all his mind, all his body, all his soul, and in all his strength, and his neighbor as himself, only if Jesus obeyed the law fully, only then would Jesus not be bound by death. Only if Jesus was truly without sin would God raise him. And on Good Friday, as he was nailed to a cross and a spear was driven into his side, there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. Although we still couldn't know if Jesus' death as our substitute, his death in our place, was sufficient to pay the price of our rebellion. And the glorious news is that in his resurrection, as God raises Jesus from the dead, we have a bright, brilliant declaration of God's plan of making peace between himself and us having been brought to fruition. He has won the victory. The resurrection proves that salvation has come. The resurrection proves that we can be made right with God. And the resurrection proves that the price has been. The only one who was really right with God took our punishment in our place. And the resurrection of Christ shows that Christ's mission to rescue his people has been successful. The resurrection shows us the victory has been won. And so as Jesus stands with his disciples, the first thing he says to them is the victory declaration. Peace be with you. The victory's been won. Peace be with you. 
And it's not academic. It's not some strange spiritual truth that lurks away in the deep recesses of some ivory tower. No. Jesus was raised from the dead. And that means what Jesus said about those who believe in him being able to successfully journey through death to resurrection is true. We can trust him because he has made that journey. And if you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus, then know in your hearts that you too will be resurrected to live forever face to face with God in a place where there is no more brokenness, no more pain, no more death, where the old order of things has been moved away. And Jesus says that this offer is a free gift. We just need to turn and trust in him. But it also means that if you don't believe and you don't trust in Jesus before you die, that what Jesus says about that is also true. That you will be cast away from him forever in a place that that the Bible calls hell. So friends, the news is out. Jesus says peace with God has been made possible and the resurrection proves it. How will you choose? How have you chosen? For many years, I was a card-carrying atheist. uh, As a young lad, uh, my father was very ill, and I sent up a prayer asking God for a miraculous healing, and nothing happened. So I rejected the notion that there was a God. But it was only later in life, as I started to investigate whether the resurrection was actually true or not, that it became clear to me that what the gospel writers had said was true. Which brings us to our second point. That Christianity is based on facts. When Paul was writing to Christians uh, about the Christian faith, he said that if the resurrection didn't happen, then Christians are to be pitied more than all people. Paul said if there was no resurrection... We haven't been made right with God, that we're still at war with him. And if you're here this morning and you're looking in on Christian things, it's great that you're with us this morning. Let me encourage you to ask yourself that one question. Is it true? Did the resurrection really happen? And the Christian faith is based on facts, on things that actually have happened in history. The one thing that Christianity isn't, it is It is not a blind leap of faith. In his highly readable book uh, called Cold Case Christianity, uh, Wallace looks at the evidence for Christianity. Uh, Wallace describes himself, or did describe himself, as an angry man who rejected uh, any notion that the the Christian faith could be true. And as a homicide detective, he went about trying to prove that Christianity was false. But the more he looked, the more that he examined the evidence, the more convinced he became that the claims made by Christians are true. And he became a believer. Now, if you're not a believer here this morning, let me just lift out three very, very brief things. Firstly, the author of this gospel that we're having read this morning from Luke, uh, Luke was a doctor. He was independent of the disciples. And seeing what Jesus had done... He became an investigative reporter. Luke's educated. He's smart. He's inquisitive. 
He's a medical scientist. And at the start of the gospel, he tells us that he's carefully investigated all things. He's gone back, he's got eyewitness testimony, and he's verified the things that he's heard. And then he's written down a coherent and clear account of Jesus' life. His life, his death, and his resurrection. Secondly, take a look with me at uh, verses 37 to 39. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Secondly, Jesus encourages the disciples to check it out. Why are you troubled? Take a look at me. If you have questions, ask me. Jesus doesn't tell them just to be quiet and believe. He says, look. He wants their minds to be informed, to have an understanding that's based on evidence. And the other evidence is the word of God itself. It's true for them and it's true for us as well. He goes on in verses 45 to 47. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The plan of God to make peace between us and himself, the plan of salvation, is found in the scriptures. It's all there. That Jesus, the Messiah, would suffer and then rise on the third day. Uh, by looking at the scriptures, as Jesus speaks, that we too, we too can see that Jesus' death on the cross is what God promised as the way that he would rescue his people. And if you're here today and you're not sure what you think about Christian claims, then come along uh, to our Hope Explored course. Uh, do test the Christian faith. Chat to Colin uh, or to me after the service. And finally, there are a number of uh, non-Christian writers uh, who wrote about Jesus, historians, politicians, uh, who were writing about Israel at the time. And they write about Jesus. In fact, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is the best attested fact in all of ancient history. So the more we look the more evidence we find as to the resurrection of Jesus. If you want to know more, why not uh, take one of these eyewitness accounts? Uh, you'll find them by the front door. Take one of these uh, and do have a read of it. Uh, it'll take you about the time it takes to watch Channel 4 News. Uh, so why not pick up a copy of the news that changed the world uh, and read it uh, for yourself. Or, or, or ask me, I'd love to read it with you, or read it with uh, the person that you came along here with uh, this morning. So if God has declared that peace is available because of what he's done through Christ's death and resurrection, and we can be sure that the resurrection has happened, what does that mean for us now? What does that mean for you and for me uh, today? And that's our final point. It's a life transformed by love. When I was first looking at Christian things, I thought that uh, Jesus' death on the cross was simply a cancelling of my record of wrongs. Uh, that the price of my sin against God was being paid as Jesus died on the cross and bore the wrath, 
that was due for me in my place, I sat back and thought, phew, that was close. And the danger is that for some of us, we can think that the work of Jesus on the cross is, is like this. It's a get out of jail free card that we can kind of mop our brows and then carry on, maybe try to be a little bit nicer. But the resurrection means so much more, so much more than that. It's not less than the certainty of salvation, but it is so much more. It's a love that has the power to transform lives. If you've been a Christian for a day or for 90 years, let me encourage you again uh, to think about the treasure that's yours through the resurrection. It's so much more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. It will allow you to live a remarkable life for Jesus. Alan Gardner was a Christian uh, in the 19th century. Um, And he kept a journal, a diary if you like. And he died uh, very shortly after his final entry on the 12th of June, 1866. And this is what he wrote. Ah, I am happy day and night, hour by hour. Asleep or awake, I am happy beyond the poor compass of language to tell. My joys are with him whose delights have always been with the sons of men, and my heart and spirit are in heaven with the blessed. Much more I could add, my heart. My heart is warm, warm with praise. Thanksgiving and love to God my Father, and love to God my Redeemer. What must Alan's life have been like to have written those words? What must his life have been like to write those words to close just before he died? We've probably got an image in our minds, haven't we, of Alan uh, sitting there upright in his bed, surrounded by grandchildren, great-grandchildren, in the comfort of a Victorian house. I wonder if uh, that's not actually what happened. We'll come back to Alan Gardner in a moment. But I wonder if we were to keep a journal, you and I, day by day, what might be the last entry that you would write in your journal? Would it be a, would you be able to speak of God in the way that Alan Gardner did? We'll come back to him in a moment. What Alan Gardner had done was that he looked at what Christ had done for him. He looked at the king of kings coming down and living the life that you and I should have lived and at the end dying the death that you and I deserve. He dwell on the king of kings putting down his crown so that you and I, unworthy as we are, could pick it up and wear it and be seen as beautiful by our heavenly father. He had dwelt on those truths, the truths of the resurrection, and it had completely changed his life. And the same is true for us. If we're prepared to think through the implications for ourselves, it'll put a fire in our hearts that will burn so brightly that nothing will be able to extinguish it. Our life will no longer be based on a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it will be a life that's completely transformed 
by the love of God. If we would just allow the truth of the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in and through the Lord Jesus to be worked into every area of our life, worked into the challenges we face, it would give us a joy, a buoyancy, a depth of character, a beauty of life that will allow us to have life in all of its fullness, to blossom, to flourish and to journey well to that day where we meet the risen Lord Jesus. Doesn't your, uh, doesn't your heart just ache for that? Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to meditate on the truths of the resurrection and think and pray through their implications for us. Let me highlight quickly just two examples of how to do this. Uh, firstly, through the resurrection, we are no longer enemies of God. Peace be with you. We've moved from being enemies to being children of God. We are his children. We're no longer orphans. We've been adopted as God's children. Our status, our identity as children is unchanging. Uh, If we have children, uh, we know that no matter what our children do, what they don't do, uh, how they behave, it doesn't matter. They are always our children. They remain our children. Their status as children is not dependent upon their performance or behavior. And that's true for us and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we can relax. We can relax. It's not our performance that makes us children, but the adoption that God has done. God is pleased to know you as his child. You don't need to strive for that as though it's somehow conditional upon the things that you do. You you have access 24-7, round the clock, to your heavenly father. Because we're his children, he's always with us. He will never abandon us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Also, our status, our identity, is as a child of God. It's not as a sinner. Sure, we've sinned and we continue to sin, but that is not our status. Our status is children of God. And as we can see, as we see that truth, that will burn off the sense of guilt and shame and it will free us. It'll make us eager to come before God in joyful prayer and seek his face. It might be that we're being told uh, by people on social media that we're not worthy or we've been cancelled or the in crowd at school doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be with us, doesn't want to associate with us and non-Christian friends may look at us and say, wow, you're just odd. You're foolish. But the more brightly that we can see that we're children of God, that the one who made all things and sustains all things by the word of his power has adopted us, you and me, into his family, then what does it matter what other people think? 
We have the love and the approval of the one who has created all things, the one who is truly worthy. We have his approval. And that gives us the strength to face the criticisms that we run into. And that, friends, is fuel for the fire in our hearts. Secondly, what about death? Uh, For many of us, this is not an academic question. Uh, The pain of the death of a loved one, it's like an open wound that's full of broken glass. It never goes away. But the resurrection tells us that the promises that Jesus made are true. That death is not the end. That for those who believe in Jesus, they will be resurrected and they will find themselves in his arms. Raised in a resurrection body free of pain, disease and death. It's certain and it's true. As Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today, today you will be with me in paradise. And as we trust in those words, the healing balm of the gospel is being worked into our broken hearts. And because death isn't the end, we can have a healthy and heavenly perspective about our life here on earth now, the few years that we have before we go to our eternal home. And it means that work, well, that can just be work. It's never an ultimate thing. Work is a good thing, but it's not what defines us. We're free to enjoy work, but not to be bound up in it. At schooling and exams, they come into clearer perspective. The grades we achieve, well, they, they don't define us. They're not the be-all and the end-all. We study hard, not because we think happiness is found in grades. Let me tell you, they're not. Rather, but because we're able to find ourselves in places to work, to live or to study, so that we can be a witness to the Lord Jesus. Whether that's with our children at home, to our shareholders around the boardroom, or to our friends at the gym. We're free. We could do this uh, all day long. Whether it's forgiveness, whether it's worry, jealousy, loneliness, purpose, meaning, anxiety, pride, a lack of contentment. The list just goes on and on and on. Some besetting sin, whatever it is, if we will just allow the truth of who we are now in the light of the resurrection... Who we are now in the light of the resurrection, children of God, bought at such a high price. If we would allow that truth to settle into the very core of our being, it will give us a joy, a deep joy that the world can never take away. And it's not to say, please hear me, it's not to say that if you believe you will be cured of the cancer that you're carrying. It's not to say that if you believe that your marriage will be healed. It's not to say that if you believe your children will stop rebelling. It's not to say that if you believe your immediate economic needs will be met. Those things may happen. But that's not the promise. 
working the gospel truth of the resurrection into our hearts will allow us to persevere in the midst of those trials. The promise is that God will meet you on that last day in Christ. That you will be found in his arms if you believe. That's the promise. There are great riches in the gospel. If only we will allow ourselves a time to stop and to reflect on it. To allow those gospel truths to be worked into our hearts and to change our lives. It will give us the courage to face those trials and to face them fearlessly. So to close, let's go back to our friend Alan Gardner. Gardner was born in 1764 and he went to sea as a sailor. Uh, He became a Christian when one night uh, he was in an inn and he overheard a father reading the Bible to his children. And Alan thought, hmm. He went out, he bought a Bible, he read it, and he became a believer. He gave his life to Christ. In fact, he became a missionary. And he went on really difficult missions to South Africa uh, and also to South America. He married and he had children. And he felt a call to preach to small tribes in remote locations. And he felt God calling him to go to Patagonia. So he came back to the UK, he raised money for an expedition, he found a crew of seven, got two boats, and they sailed off to their destination. On their way, one of the two boats struck a leak, and they pulled ashore to try to effect repair. And they were set upon by the locals. Uh, They managed to escape, uh, but as they escaped by boats, the boat got caught in a large amount of sea kelp, Uh, And they lost anchor and they lost the timber to effect the repairs for the boat. Uh, They managed to hobble back onto shore and two of the party became very, very unwell. And they waited on shore for weeks and weeks and weeks, hoping that a boat would come to rescue them. But nothing came. Another one of the men died. Food started to run low. And after many weeks of strict rations, two more of his crew died. They were set upon again by locals and they managed to work their way around the shoreline a little bit further away. Eventually, food ran out. And over the coming weeks, hunger and sickness killed the rest of his crew. And as Alan Gardner lay dying alone, thousands of miles away from his family, having watched his friends die and then bury them, his mission looking like an abject failure, without any prospect of leaving the place he was dying, he wrote these words. I am happy beyond The compass of language to tell. Much more I could add in there where the dots are. He actually says, much more I could add, my fingers are bitterly cold. My heart, my heart is warm. Warm with praise, thanksgiving and love to God, my Father, and love to God, my Redeemer. He was able to write those words 
even though he'd had that journey, that experience, because he'd allowed the truth of the death of Christ and the resurrection to be poured into his heart. He'd worked it into his life. He'd worked into his life the truth of those four words, peace be with you. The truth of God's son dying for him in his place and being raised by God. And that truth, that gospel truth, can give you the same strength as Gardner enjoyed. So friends, allow the truth of Jesus' victory cry of peace be with you to transform your hearts. Climb inside those four words for yourself. Meditate on them until there's a fire that bursts into your heart that nothing will quench. Allow yourself to see the beauty of the promises that are now yours if you believe. Don't settle for a small life based on a get-out-of-jail-free card, but allow the truth of peace be with you to be the love that transforms your life. Let me pray. My Father, we do thank you so much for that amazing truth. Peace be with you. Our Father, I pray that uh, by your spirit you would stir our hearts. Uh, give us the courage that we need to hold tightly to that resurrection promise. Allow the truth of the resurrection to shape and mould us. And by your spirit, would you fan into flame the love that we have for you. And might we be powerful witnesses to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. But let, let us uh, just close with these words from the Apostle Peter. When he's, as he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Amen.